0: To the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If
1: you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay
0: him. Pay that man his money.
1: Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't wanna see those returns?
0: Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right?
1: Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show
2: him a 3% return and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend.
0: I'm
1: a
2: big
3: fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Lord, don't jacks. I'm Mr. Matt Weber on the board. Interesting morning already. Uh, S&P futures up 23. Nasdaq futures up 97. Dow futures up 101. We uh, have the market, which uh, you know most people are thinking doesn't look so good, with our bear market rally kind of fizzling out or whatever kind of rally it was. And all of a sudden, now everybody thinks the Fed is going to pull a rabbit out of the hat like they always do. So that's the story, Mr. Lou. How are you?
4: Uh, good morning, and I'm uh, I'm I'm very happy this morning that I did not engage in, in collecting a lot of student debt and then uh, and then try to repay it this morning.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange situation. I don't know. Every time these people do something like this, no matter how they're well-meaning, um, they seem to manage to. To screw it up somehow, and I don't, I don't quite get the whole routine. But it's uh, w- what's your feeling on this? Mine, mine is kind of different. But what, what's your, what's your feel?
4: Oh, I, I think, I think it's a a straight up payoff on an ideological basis to to a bunch of people that the Democrats, you know, are are beholden to. I saw a great report. Uh, I believe it was in the Federalist that said. The vast majority of White House staffers, aides, and advisors would be directly or would directly benefit from the uh, from the write-off or, or or the forgiveness. It's not a write-off. I mean, that money is going to get that money is now being dispersed to, or the the debt is now going to be dispersed to every taxpayer. Um, it, it it's also the functional equivalent of of dropping a couple of hundred billion dollars of extra cash into the economy Mm -hmm. Uh, and all we're, we're, we're already fighting inflation. So I, it's just, it's an anti-democratic, you know, anti-equity, anti, uh, anti-inflation move. I mean, I mean, the savings that were supposedly going to result from, from the passage of the, Anti-inflation bill or inflation reduction bill that the president just signed have now been wiped out. I mean, in, in, in easily by this, it it just it makes absolutely no sense from from any perspective. Uh, I think it will. I think it will fire up, you know, a, a certain amount of anti-democratic, uh, you know, voting sentiment, and it just. Uh, there was no there was no reason to do this this way. I would be in favor of you know maybe maybe making those debts dischargeable in bankruptcy, which they're not. Uh, I would I would be in favor of something like that. I would be in favor of some kind of White House pressure on colleges to forgive the debt or to 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 compensate people for it or comp- pay off the debts with these gigantic endowments. But but there's none of that. There's there's just it's an it, it's a zero accountability measure.
3: Well, uh, as far as I know, and again, I, I i just from the people around me that have had it, most people, again, there's that word "most" it's slippery. Most people had some kind of a combination of federal debt and private debt, correct? And so then there were, then there were some Pell grants thrown in, which I'm not exactly sure what those are. So. Your blended rate, for most people, ended up in the six, six and a half range. Matty, for sure, to pile in here if you know more. I thought the federal part was like five, four, five, and the private part was like eight. So your combination ended up being, I'm going back, you know, 20, 25 years. of many people still have these debts and they're 50 years old? I I did a, I have a piece of paper here buried um, where somebody did it. When the first time this was thought, talked about, uh, of forgiving some of this debt, there was an article, we we sent it out, man, God, I don't know how many years ago it was. Uh, I don't know if we can even find it, but some young lady, I remember there was a lady who wrote the article, did an amazing amount of work. I mean, it was one of the best articles I've read in a long time. And she went through every age decade. And how many of them, a lot of people still have these loans in their 60s or fifty, and a lot of them in their 40s. I mean, a boatload in the 30s, it's, this, this student loan program has been, a goat bleep since day one, Lou. an absolute goat bleep. Um,
4: well, it's it single-handedly, it's single-handedly, is responsible for a large portion of the, of, of college inflation costs.
3: Without a doubt. So that's that's point number one. The, the the big benefactors of it have been the universities, without question. Right, and you've you've and you've got people that have this debt, and it's it's. I tell you that my my buddy. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame, an attorney, one of your guys, Lou. I met him at a golf outing years ago, and he goes, you know, we had this young lady show up to, uh, to, you know, to interview, and she had, this is, this has to be 20 years ago, it was a long time, when money was real money, and he says she had, she went to Michigan or some place, undergrad, so she had debt from that, then went to like, you know, Princeton Law or some damn place, I mean, anyway, she, she was quarter million dollars in debt. And he goes, we were willing to pay her like a lot of dough. And in those times, it was like, we were willing to pay her like eighty-five grand, ninety grand to start. Back, you know, again, it's a lot while ago. He goes, I did the math. There's no way that she could possibly pay that off without being like a pole dancer on a Saturday night. We just wanted no part of it. And I'm thinking, I'm not so sure that's legal. <laughs> he goes, she was so deep in debt, I, I don't know who wanted her. And, uh, but I mean, it, it, it permeates the whole mess, Lou. And this idea of not being able to toss off in bankruptcy, they have... They have parents that sign for their kids that are disabled and the kids are dead and they're still hounding them, for God's sake. You can't get rid of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most yeah, insane. No, no, I, I, I don't... I'm not,
4: I'm not a, a fan of it, but at the same time, you know, for the brief period that my kids went to, went to college, um, I stroked a check. You know, I just... I wrote a check for... And that was the deal. And I saved and I, I put away... You know, a lot of money uh, to to be able to tell them, look, if you if you go, I can I can write a check for this. The di, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a parent or a condition free check. They had to they had to start college and they had to stay in college and they had to finish. But but I was I set it up to do that, and and uh, you know I realized that that's not possible for everybody. But but maybe it shouldn't be you know the idea the idea that we are we're trying to get everybody a bachelor's degree is stupid well and and i i, I listened i listened to a, a terrific uh, podcast the other day about a guy who who was writing a book called the 5 the 5 reasons not to go to college and you know he makes a compelling case for not taking on that debt and instead going into going into a trade
3: uh, I, don't, and I don't
4: in, in, in doing you know doing something doing something useful he, the story he tells is he's in this guy's in his like mid30s I think and he was t- talking about one of his one of his friends he said you know was was like really like one of the worst students in high school and the minute, the minute everybody graduated from high school we all went off to college saddled ourselves with about two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. This guy became a, an electrician's apprentice. And by the time we had finished college, this guy was earning almost six figures. And he did not have to go into monster debt to do it. Um, and, and he said, there's a lot of jobs like that out there that can provide you with a perfectly good living without, without having to saddle yourself for the first half of your life with a debt that literally affects things like child, you know, having children, and what jobs you're going to take and where you're going to live. It drives everything.
3: Uh, Lou, I mean, I, I'm going to, we have probably five people on the show to feel the exact same way you do, and I'm absolutely, I disagree with all of that, to be honest with you. Absolutely disagree with all of that. The, I'm, I'm looking at the CPI number right here. When I, when I graduated Notre Dame in 1974, my tuition in the last year was 3300 bucks. Okay. If in today, if it's under our our brilliant CPI, man, karaoke. you
4: are re- you are really old.
3: Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I would I would admit to that. Um, guess what that number is today, using the CPI number.
4: Notre Dame one semester, of Notre Dame tuition for a full year. Oh, for a full year? Oh, uh, I, I would say it's it's seventy thousand dollars. No, no,
3: no. What, what should it be? According to our CPI. What's thirty three hundred a year in nineteen seventy four? What would that be today with, with, according to our stupidoes that put the CPI together? I have no idea.
4: Nineteen thousand
3: nine five three.
4: Okay, so it's it's at least five
3: times that. Well now, and now yeah, now it's now it's seventy five. So it's three oh, and, and a half times t- that. Yeah, three and a half times what it ought to be. If the Notre Dame education was twenty grand right now, we would have none of these problems. A, a bricklayer, yeah, yeah and, a bricklayer could go to college if he wanted to, and still be a bricklayer. There's no reason that
4: uh, I, 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 agree, but I, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I, I, was not saying, I was not saying that that you know, all things being equal, a trade, a trade job was, was, you know, gonna be the same as a, as a college job. I'm just saying, given the way the situation is now. I mean, I think you can make a pretty good case for not going to well, college. What I'm
3: saying, it's not supposed to be an either or. I could have gone to college because I like economics and come out and own a construction company. Okay, but wh- what's the but, the point? But is but it, it
4: is but it is now either or, and, and 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 it's and they're trying to they uh, that that mentality is is in part driven by the fact that you're taking on this huge
3: debt. Well, okay, but what I'm saying is, why the hell is Notre Dame and Northwestern Chicago seventy five grand? Who... Who's getting all that money? Well, I mean, the, the professors aren't. The overhead the
4: diversity the, studies people are. The they're, administrators they're, are. Look at the look at the growth. Look at the growth in administrative expenses. What
3: do you, what uh, do you, do you mean, suppose, Notre Dame?
4: One of the fascinating things about the, that you see if you look at the, at the study of college staffing is the tremendous rise in the number of non-academic administrators who who are there in large part. For handholding, whether it's the diversity, equity, and inclusion people, or it's the you know uh, uh, folks responsible for uh, you know managing the dining halls, or it's it's the people responsible for whatever the, the the dramatic jump in in the mid what I would refer to as the mid-level management aspect the, of the college
3: education is That's where that money goes. The term is overhead.
4: Okay,
3: overhead fine. I mean, in uh, the California system, which is what seven schools. What's the lady? What's the lady who went out there? One of Clinton's. Uh, he had the, the two. The two ladies were in his cabinet. Both of them were like the real, real tiny. Napolitano was the other one's name. One became the chairman of Miami University, of Miami, and the other one went to Cal. Ma- uh, Napolitano was one. Who the hell's the other one? Anyway. Cal has, what, the, the seven major colleges, Berkeley, UCLA, Santa Barbara. There's, there's a bunch of them, right? Um,
4: yeah, Cal State, Sacramento, um,
3: yeah. yeah. So they, I think the last time I checked, they had 10 indirect people for every professor. Well, it doesn't get much worse that, than that, that. I believe that's correct. You, you know what their, their cost is per year per student? Now the state pays most of it, I and mean, there was no tuition for a long time. If you were in California, I, I checked, their, um, and this is, again this is this is just gross numbers, just me doing it. I think their their actual number, if you divided the amount of student years and the total budget, was like a hundred grand a year. Lou, for God's sake, what are they doing?
4: Well, you you have, and I I don't I don't know if this is characteristic of education institutions, but you have a comparable. Uh, circumstance with the Chicago Public Schools oh, yeah. the, price per pu- the price per pupil With the Chicago Public Schools Is not Much less than the price Per student in the, the uh, New Trier District And and I guarantee you You're getting a lot less result On your bank for your buck and the CPS I'm going to say it's
3: I'm going to say uh, uh, Slightly different well, I actually had one of the my creatures up at the Tripoli give me the whole lecture on this one night. This had to be this was before COVID, so say four years ago. Uh, would any high school student in, a, in a Chicago, whether you went to Walter Payton or wherever you went, somewhere in the neighborhood of sixteen five to seventeen thousand followed the student to that school. That's why they're so anxious to have people there on day one, because based on the count, that's how much money the school gets in the budget. Now. This has nothing to do with the facilities right. and all the other stuff. Uh, that's, no, a, that's right. A, I understand. A, and it was roughly equal to like the nutrious and those kinds of places. However, I think the nutrious hit up on the families more for all stuff you know you have to do for the extracurriculars and all that stuff. I think there's a you, you pony up in nutrious. I think if your kids playing football or basketball, I, I'm not positive. I don't live up there, but I think there's uh, there's money coming from the parents in addition to that. But yeah, it's a lot of dough. Well, and the idea that and, and, and if you look at you know the average class size of whatever it is 32 33 it's a lot of dough especially when, when you see what people are getting paid the teachers and the overhead is dramatic I mean I, mean, I
4: don't I don't have my 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 kids my kids went uh, to school at Lyons township and and one of the things I noticed when I left Virginia to move to Chicago was the fact that the teacher compensation was dramatically higher in suburban Chicago and this, this area at LT than it was at my suburban Washington, D.C. schools in, in Virginia. But I also looked at the qualifications, and I mean, Lyons Township had, at the time, so this is 2003, Lyons Township's faculty, I mean, something like 70% of the faculty had master's degrees, and and uh, a number of them had doctorates. It was a very well-qualified uh, Faculty and I, I remember thinking, "Huh, well, I guess I'm not going to complain too much about paying well, but, that, more
3: that, but that's when I
4: got that kind of a qualified."
3: But that's the game, faculty. That's the that's the game, though. If you, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's not right or whatever. I'm just saying if you if you are a teacher, even in Chicago public schools, if you're teaching third grade and you go get a master's, you get a big bump. I don't I don't know if you need a master's to, to, to teach third grade, but uh, I mean, I. But my point is, Lou, this whole thing has been a mess from day one. For, I mean, no, if, if, no I agree. But in my, in my, I'm going to be way out on a limb here, and I know. And uh, as as a half-assed economist, I don't like to combine things, Lou, at all. I don't think the schools, just like the hospitals, I don't think Notre Dame should should say, "I want this kid; he's paying twenty grand," but uh, this other kid's his parents got though he's paying seventy five. I want all that stopped. I want I want a price some you idiots. And and, 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 and the, who helps these people out? Whatever those charities are, whatever the government is, wherever it is, is totally separate from the school. I don't want forty-eight different prices coming from a school, just like I don't want forty-eight different prices coming from a hospital. You're you provide an education. Give me the damn price. How much? How much is it for a hamburger? If I got to put it on my credit card, that's my problem, not yours. Right? I mean, it's. I mean, I I know it'll never come to that, but but it, but it starts from there. You start getting this mixed if, bag. If you
4: if you start with the assumption that that the best way to get people out of whatever economic circumstance they're in, bad economic circumstance, is a college degree, then then you throw money at colleges as fast as you can. Yeah, but and I don't I, want I to I do that. Is what's dri- that I think is what's driving. The I, game. I want
3: a competitive, like what Kevin and those guys do for their place. Here is what it costs. Here is the teacher. Here is the building. Here is what it costs for us to provide X. That that's what universities now granted there's the research part and all the other stuff but it can be separate. But I d I don't want you know, somebody wandering in and and, and messing with their uh, income and having a shell corp or whatever the damn well thing you can do, which I could do pretty easily, and say, Oh man, you don't have enough dough, your kid's gonna we'll give him forty or he's only gotta pay forty. We got this grant or that grant and oh by the way, we'll give him a loan for twenty. Meanwhile maddie Weber's kid comes in and Maddie's dumb enough or not dumb enough, but all he has is a W-2 and he can't hide it. Oh, man, Mr. Weber, you gotta, you better pay us the full 75. I don't want that. I don't want that. But but I'm saying, having said that, get back to the, the, the... I'm way off on a tangent like I always am, but the this whole thing with the student loan, as you've had now since 2007, you've had a Fed that has done nothing but allegedly drive interest rates down for the select few. And we've seen what this has done to our economy. And I don't, I don't care... Who you are. If you open up your eyes, nothing, there's n- there's, there hasn't been a bigger change in what every man has to what the few have than in the last 15 years. This is worse than 1920s, for God's sake. Well, I mean, some people can borrow money for negative interest and they own the whole damn place. After, and other people can't. Well, there's no re- no reason on earth that Jeff Bezos can borrow at 2.5% and we're charging our students 65 or 7 on average or whatever the hell we're charging. That's insane. And the Fed, the Fed never, intended, never intended to drive these interest rates down to schmucks like us. And I, I did a study, maybe in the last year or two it's gone the other way, but I did a study over the 10-year period from was, uh, uh, since the negative interest rates started. Since 2008, I think I was up to like 2020 when I did it. Credit card rates are actually up when, when, the, when the, the, the rates went to zero for everybody else. So what I would have favored on something like this is say, hey, everybody who had a student loan over the last 12 years, we're going to back into do all the calculations. Now, I don't know, but half of the loans, I think, are government, half are private. So I don't know how you can do it on the private side. But let's say, I would say, every, okay, everybody's going to get 2%. Their their, their average rate 7 Everybody's going to get 2% back for the last 15 years because we basically screwed you people. And that way, if... If Maddie paid his off five years from now, go—he's going to get a check. It shouldn't just be you know everybody along the line, the people who paid and everybody. I think they all got screwed, Lou. So if we're going to do, we're going to try and fix that. Let's fix it for everybody, and say okay, everybody yeah, gets.
4: I mean, I mean, I would, I would prefer, I would prefer something like that rather than this non-equitable system that. That they just they just tossed out and just giving away free you know giving away free money.
3: I, I think those people um, deserve some of the interest back. Everybody down the line. I, I
4: don't I don't have any I don't have any disagreement with that. But but again we're not dealing. I, I think in a lot of ways we're dealing with a very simple minded public policy establishment up there at the White House. And and I, again ideology ideology takes you there. I wanted to talk about a sports thing before we get to oh, the yeah. break. I want to just just briefly discuss or uh, mention the uh, Deshaun Watson uh, final penalty. Talk about the strategy that went into that because it, it's fascinating to me. You know, the NFL the NFL stakes out its position, and um, I, I think I think the settlement with you know eleven games, five million dollar fine, and and lots of psychological well, I, I'm not going to call it psychological counseling. I call I call it re education. They're going to send. They're going to send Mr. Watson to a reeducation camp. Um, I, I think that is about the best that the NFL could have could have gotten, and I think they were concerned that the um, you know the the arbitrator that they used, the appellate arbitrator, could easily have gone you know with the initial recommendation. Um, I think they were concerned about the fact the NFL was concerned about the fact that if if this guy upped the penalty too much that uh Watson's Watson's people would just take it into federal court and drag it out and drag it on. They'd lose because I, I think the or the uh the league retains that kind of control. But but you know, all of this all of this hand wringing over, oh my God, you know, he's he's not contrite, etc, etc I mean this is just it just shows how much theater this really is.
3: Well he isn't. If they
4: were if they were really concerned about this, they would have locked this kid down. And and, and they didn't
3: What uh I, is is there an appeal process past the commissioner?
4: No. No. And and, and remember the, the commissioner the commissioner basically uh, allowed or, or, or put a quote third party neutral unquote in to handle the appeal, Goodell did not take the appeal himself. So, so the last appellate, the last appellate authority was this guy who was who heard the, you know, the arguments from everybody after the initial arbitrator had given what everybody perceived to be a slap on the wrist.
3: All right. So, uh, Goodell,
4: Goodell, I mean, I'm sure this guy was gonna was gonna jack the penalty up. I'm I'm also sure that it it would not have been in the best interest of the NFL for that to happen and and for for this guy to try to extract some kind of pound of flesh because the NFL realized at some point you know it, it the, the Watson Watson has more money than than Chris's. and so they would simply continue to litigate this thing you know putting it front and center and, and the NFL you know like any smart employer finally the NFL said what are we doing here you know? He's paid off his civil debts. We don't care. You know. It's not it's not like, you know, twenty 20 these twenty women are going to or twenty five women or whatever it is are are gonna you know resurface again in this guy's life. Let's let's just let's just let's get this thing out of here. And, I mean, that may have been the economic reality that finally dawned on the NFL leadership rather than trying to set virtue signal some kind of...
3: Well, plus they... they, I, they
4: we're really concerned about, you know, this guy's activities off the field.
3: Well, their power grab, uh, they, they could end up in the same place in the NCAA if they ended up in courts.
4: Exactly. Although, although I think, you know, I, I think given the way the contract's written, the NFL has a lot of discretion at the end of the day on the appeal. So, so Goodell could have just stepped in and said, "Fine, you know, I read the arbitrator's opinion. She's an idiot. Uh, you know, one year, five million, take it or leave it." And and if he'd done that, uh, there would have been there would have been trouble. Um, the other thing that you got to think about is, you know, what the owners were telling Goodell behind the scenes, and I'm guessing a lot of owners were were phoning him saying, "Look, you know, the, the guy paid off the civil debts." These women have all gotten money, um, and, and so and, let's, you know. And let's, the fan the fans, and the
3: fans don't care if he's an ex-murder. That's a problem. SP Futures up twenty-six. Don't. That,
4: that's yeah. exactly right.
3: The fans don't care. Futures up twenty-six. His teammates, we got to go to break. boo. SB Futures up twenty-six. NASDAQ Futures up one hundred. As my buddy Bill Murphy says, if there wasn't an NFL, we'd need another jail. Just then, we'll be right back. Stacks and jacks.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know.
0: 8810, or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona.
3: Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out
0: of control. Right here,
3: right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome Jacks. I'm Matt Webber on the board, Uh, S&P Futures are up 25, Nasdaq Futures are up uh, 29, we've got uh, let me get my page up here, I'm going through the CPI calculator like I always do, just to aggravate myself, Um, we've got the Dow Futures, uh, Stacks and Dow, pretty much all of them are up, the only one that's a a big move move is the, the downside actually, Salesforce is down 12 bucks, they had earnings last night, initially they were pretty good, the stock was up and then all of a sudden nobody liked it. The Dow futures are up 133. Every every other stock in the Dow is showing green. Nvidia is down six bucks, uh, so it's run up from the 60s to 180. The mid 180s has been pretty much over the last week. It's turned back down the other way, which is uh, not good for the chip people. Over in is up 165.6 percent. Shanghai up 31 point. That's a full percent. Hang Seng, wow, up 699, but still. 968 That's how much they've been down in the last couple days. It's almost four percent up, and I still can't make it back to twenty thousand. As a way of review, yesterday Dow was up fifty-nine, S&P up twelve, Nasdaq up fifty. As we sneakily are are rallying into this uh, Fed thing on Friday at Jackson Hole. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up seventy-one, FTSE up twenty-three, CAC around up five. Call that one flat. Uh, bonds, we're up over three, three point zero nine. Uh, Bund, minus 1 today, but 1.35, remember they got down to 0.85, so pretty big creep up over there in uh, in Europe. Japan, 0.23, it never sort of moves. Oil, 94.80, it's down 9 cents. Uh, Brent, <coughs> up 12 cents uh, to 101.34. Natural gas, 9.33 unchanged. Arbob down 2 cents at 2.78, so the, the pump stuff should all be under $4 pretty soon with our bob at 2.78, but we'll see if it gets there. Gold up fifteen bucks, seventeen seventy-seven. So it's it's a bounce, but still it's under eighteen hundred. Silver up thirty cents, nineteen twenty-one. Copper up four cents, three sixty-nine. We've got our favorite crypto, Bitcoin, kind of unchanged here. I'm down fifty-nine bucks to twenty-one thousand six ninety-three, and we've got the U.S. dollar. Still, the euro is under one dollar. Which, uh, manny, what's the break-even of us flying over to Europe and saving money on beers? How many beers do we got to <laughs> drink? Anyway, it's a uh, Still under a buck, the British pound 1.18, which is low as well. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports?
5: 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We already have a couple of crashes to report this morning, which is not a good start. First, on the Dan Ryan inbound side just before 87th Street, uh, which is exit 61B, there's a four-vehicle crash that's causing uh, significant delays and, and growing on the Ryan. So you'll want to uh, navigate around that carefully as a cruiser on the scene working to get that cleared up. We have one other crash in the area that's on the Eisenhower. Looks like on the inbound side of the Ike uh, just before York Road which is exit 12 there's a crash blocking the two right lanes and that's causing uh, congestion on 290. Uh, so a couple of uh, issues on our expressways already this morning uh, so keep that in mind if you're coming in from the western burbs on 290 or from the south side on the Ryan. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, we have some rain in the area early, and then uh, sunshine later on. A very pleasant high of 79. Right now it's overcast and 71 with rain in the area. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 100 today. Right now it's clear and 86. In sports, the White Sox got a big win over the Orioles last night. 5-3 to three was the final in that one. Sox are four games back of Cleveland in the AL Central, tied with Minnesota for second place. They're also four games back in the AL wildcard race. Uh, so Sox uh, are starting to kind of run out of time here with about... Five or so weeks left in the season, and four games back, they really need to go on a run
3: if they're going to snip that. What do you wrong with them? The leadership? What is it?
5: Combination of uh, some bad luck with the in- injuries. Uh, uh, I don't think Larusa is has done a very good job as a manager, and uh, you know some some pieces that are underperforming from a slugging perspective. They're not hitting very many home runs, triples, and doubles. It's a very much a singles team, and uh, it's hard to score runs when you got to hit three singles to do it.
3: Last night they got five hits in the first inning, and scored two runs.
5: Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of that, uh, where they score you know three or four runs on thirteen hits. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, Cubs ha- are surprisingly playing good ball. Obviously they're out of it this year, but they're playing a lot of young guys and they're winning a lot of games. They blew out the Cardinals last night seven to one, and uh, they're even in that five game series two to two with St Louis right now. If they win this afternoon. It would be their seventh series win in a row if you count that one game uh, win in Baltimore. Uh, they've uh, won six series in a row counting that, and uh, if they win today, it would make it seven over the first
3: place Cardinals.
5: Well, lastly, the Diamondbacks uh, played yesterday, and they lost to the Royals 5-3. to three.
3: Chief. The uh, Cubs are playing amazingly loose. They seem to have a bunch of young guys. That I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, I hope he doesn't, but my suspicion is that Ricketts will somehow screw it up. But it seems like they got a lot of young people that played together, AAA, and now playing together here to enjoy being with each other. They enjoy coming to their ballpark. They're loose and they're taking people by. But there's some. There's got to be some talent there. You don't just get away and on chick on giggles in the major leagues. I mean, they, well, <coughs> the
5: difference with the Cubs is they're pitching. Yeah, the ever since the All Star break, uh, they they have. I I, th- I want to say I saw the stat yesterday. Either the second or third best ERA in baseball over a you know a twenty game stretch and uh and um you know they're scoring just enough runs you know yesterday they scored seven which is great but uh they're scoring just enough runs but their pitching is keeping them in every game uh for the most part no matter who they're throwing out there i mean they've got a five man rotation that's that's been pretty good there's only really like two veterans in that five man rotation it's a lot of young guys and then this week they've started a bunch of guys we've never heard of (laughs) uh that are coming up from triple a and that are and that are giving them good innings
3: i think it cost them a couple games trading away those relievers
5: that that was definitely it. Absolutely did, and now they're f- starting to uh, find some new guys that are, they're slotting in the bullpen that have done pretty well. That Hughes guy has been really impressive. Um, but uh, but yeah, there, it, it also helps. I agree with you. It also helps when you sort of have no pressure on you and you're playing loose and you're playing teams that are have a lot
3: of pressure on them
5: that are in a playoff race. Sometimes it's to your advantage being the bad team. But they're
3: they're they're running way more than the Sacks do. They? They're running more than most. What are they trying to do with this? This kid at third base, are you trying to prove that he's a ball player? He's cost them two games. What's his name? McKinstry?
5: Yeah. Well, it's a guy that was a a pretty highly touted prospect from the Dodgers that, you know, wasn't really doing well with the Dodgers. And and Dodgers obviously have a lot of talent, so he wasn't getting a lot of steady playing time. And so the Cubs, you know, took a flyer on him because he's still young. He's versatile. He can play uh, multiple positions. And he's got good speed, left-handed bat. and And he's cheap, of course. And uh, so they they really want to play him as much as they can to see what they have. But you're right. He, he definitely hasn't been great at third. He's been much better at he's got, second he, base.
3: He's got no as much business at third as I do. He can't throw.
5: Yeah. He's, uh, I think, a second baseman. But they also are trying to play magical every day. Which he gets, like, three hits a day, the kid. And and he's been hot with the bat, but he can't play anywhere except second base. Right. So, that, you know, it's sort of like, well, if we want McKinstry to play, we're, he's going to have to play third or maybe put him in the outfield. So that's that, but that's that's why. I that agree kid Horner isn't
3: the player of the month. I don't know. He's everywhere in defense.
5: Yeah. He's been slumping the last two weeks with the bat. He was batting 310 and now he's down to like 280. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're right. Overall from for the season, I mean, he's borderline all star.
3: Yeah. It's uh. well, look, we've got,
5: it's, it's,
4: sp- it's, fat, it's fascinating to hear this discussion because I, I was at a Colorado Rockies game last week and you know they're just that that team as as good as it you know it's flashed, you know, every whatever, five years or six years. I mean I mean they they really don't appear to have a direction right now. And and it's amazing. And and every, you know, there's an article in the Denver Post this morning about Chris Bryant and and you know the fact that, that you know he really hasn't done much. And this is just another example as to why they need to fire the GM and, and get a whole new front office in there. But but the energy the energy around that club is just not is just not
3: there. And
4: and it doesn't look like they've got a you know, they've got a plan. And I mean maybe you say with the Cubs, well they haven't had a plan for a while, but you know, it's not like it's not like the Rockies have this fantastic farm system that, that is pumping up new blood or that you see a lot of you're seeing a lot of young competent players out there. You're you're just you're just not, at least not yet. Well, um, and it's it's that's one of the reasons I like I like being on the show I get and listening to the show is I get to hear I get to hear competent baseball talk, <laughs> which is not something I hear very often out here.
5: Yeah, well, it's it's strange because one I think the Cubs absolutely have a plan. It's just I don't uh, I don't agree with operating as a small market team when you're in a major market and you have the highest you know second highest ticket prices in baseball. They have a plan. It's they've executed it once and it worked, and they're they're trying the same one again they you know they're they're tanking they're stocking up draft picks building a farm system and then they made the playoffs six out of seven years won a world series went to three you know NL- nlcs's and then now they're doing a three-year rebuild again this is year two and uh now they have a top five farm system again and so they're they're hoping to, to to do it again now that's the plan they at least have one the rockies it's strange they have a worse record than the cubs right now and yet they signed chris bryant to 182 million dollar contract that, that, that makes no sense. That that investment really m- makes no sense. Um you know, it's it, and, and they are a small market team. So
3: that it's really strange. I uh I think these guys are in, in one man's opinion, and Maddie and I even though I think he actually somewhat agrees with me, but but that's not what we do, we, we always argue that's what we like each other. The uh there's more to this baseball than just adding up individual statistics. I mean you have to have some people that can hit the ball. You also have people in, in, that are on base that bother to pitch or a hair, so you get the guy behind you gets one more fastball and one less slider. All that is part of the game. It's a serious part of the game. Well, I
5: think it's a pendulum because uh, I think you're right, um, and I do agree with you, but I, but I think 15 years ago that was not true, and 30 years ago it was true. I think it, it goes back and forth. I'm, you know No one's hitting home runs anymore outside of Aaron Judge who has, like, 48. But everyone else, I mean, if you hit 20 home runs, that's a big deal. So you better be able to have speed. You better be able to steal bases. You better take walks. Um, you better be a good athlete because you, you can't the, – the, the 90s and 2000s of just these huge Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa-type Barry Bonds guys that just yeah. go up and hit 50 home runs, those days are over because they took steroids out of the game, and the pitching is way better than it's ever been, top to bottom. I mean, everyone throws 95 to 100 and it's really hard to hit right now, the, you know, the average batting average is, what, 240? I yeah, mean, it's terrible. So you, you, better, yeah. you better get some infield hits. You better steal some bases. You better be able to take walks because you can't just show up and, 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 and crush 50 home runs anymore. Uh, and, and so the, game, the pendulum has swung back to a, to a more athletic uh, style of baseball.
3: Well, that, that, I mean, if you look at even Orion Sandberg, who I would not consider a major home run hitter, he had power. But I mean, you look at he had some forty home run seasons, right? But I'm saying you, you look at his years when he had somebody who was a real leadoff man ahead of him versus the other. The, the difference is night and day, right? And the and and for a 20 year period, there was probably two
5: leadoff hitters in in all yeah. of baseball. So if you the Cubs were lucky enough for that two year stretch with Dexter Fowler, who was a real leadoff hitter, right? Who had a 400 on base percentage, had good speed, center fielder. But they haven't had one since. But guess what? Nobody does.
3: <laughs> well, the thing that really hurt them yeah, right, that's, in, a, in that's, that,
5: that era—that's that's, that's the truth.
3: The thing that hurt them.
4: I, I, was when what's his yeah, name Watching that game. Watching that game the other night, I was just thinking, you know, where there's some there's some tremendous athleticism being displayed. But but I I, I was talking to, to uh, my seatmate and said, you know, I don't think we, we saw we saw like I think it was maybe 12, 13 pitches in a row above ninety five miles an hour. I mean, are you kidding me? That that, that's, that was unheard of 20 years
2: ago.
3: Well, there are, everybody's a max effort pitcher. There, there, were always, there were always guys that if you put them in there and said, throw me give me 20 pitches, that I think could do that. Just nobody did it because why would you want to be max effort at every pitch? I mean, a good pitcher was going to pitch nine innings. You didn't you didn't have to throw 95 miles an hour to get the other pitcher out, hopefully. Yeah, now a,
5: a good pitcher is giving you five innings maybe six yeah and then because you have uh, 10 guys that are fresh in the bullpen that can all throw 100 and so y- <laughs> so you're like give me give me five good innings two runs or less and and go as hard as you can for those five innings and then i have a sixth inning guy that's going to come in and throw 95 a seventh inning guy that's throwing 96 an eighth <laughs> inning guy that's throwing 97 and a closer that's throwing 98 and and uh good luck scoring against that well the only problem with that is, is all it takes is one guy having a bad day and you lose well yeah but that's baseball by the way kevin writes that's in the, that's that's any team sport yeah the white Sox. The, kevin writes in uh, on twitter the white Sox don't get many extra base hits only three players have double digit home runs led by a Use 14 and on top of that they're a poor base running team so singles hitters who are well, bad base runners are pretty worthless
3: they're, and, and they're also in a home run hitters park which right is what makes it even worse well uh this is fun, but we'll, hey, what's going on in Ukraine? Then we'll come back to baseball. To do a yeah, thing.
4: no, I wanted to talk. Well, I wanted to talk about two things, but but, but the Ukraine the Ukraine situation is is kind of you know stopped. You, you have you have a, a situation where you've got the the aggressor, uh, the Russians, who I think have, have pretty much punched themselves out. And we were talking about a strategic pause uh, maybe two or three shows ago and uh, two or three weeks ago. And it looks like that's what's happening they are they are have basically exhausted their ability to conduct heavy duty offensive operations and i think what they're trying to do now is is consolidate their um you know their position in, in the eastern ukraine keep pressure on the ukrainians you know shoot the occasional missile into a to a target uh kill some people terrorize the population but i think the russians are waiting for winter and they're, you know, which is A, sort of their natural advantage anyway, historically. But, but B, I think they're waiting for winter to really start putting pressure on the EU. Because the Russians know that the way to win this thing, or the way to, given, given their inability to drive effectively against, uh, against Ukraine, the way to win this is to turn off Ukraine's tap of weapons. And, and they know uh, if they can last longer on the ground there, that eventually the western democracies will will stop sending weapons because they're going to start running out number one number two you know it, it could be a cold winter winter's going to be cold you know colder than it is now and it, it, a cold winter will will cause those gas prices to skyrocket and and the populations in germany and great britain and italy to start asking people why are we why are we not buying Russian gas right now because we're all freezing? Well, I can't afford to heat my home. Or I can't afford to drive. Um, all of this is going to start coming to a head uh, when the temperature starts dropping. And I think the Russians are counting on that. But for right now, they've they've kind of stopped in place. Ukraine, on the other hand, just doesn't have the combat power to forcibly evict the Russians from the territory that, it, that, that they've occupied. Ukraine is doing a very effective job, as we talked about earlier, uh, destroying uh, Russian ammunition de- depots. They're making strategic strikes inside uh, Russian-occupied territory. They've, they've attacked and continue to shoot down the occasional Russian uh, aircraft that, uh, that, that ventures outside the, the free-fly zone that the Russians have over eastern Ukraine. But the Ukrainians don't have, don't have the combat power.
3: Well, they, and I mean, and you frankly,
4: can, and unless we keep pumping precision guided munitions in there and and keep keep funding them, uh, they're gonna they're gonna run into trouble quickly.
3: Well, I got uh, one of my I don't know who sends me this stuff, but I got one of these Cora Digest things about uh, what what the war and I, I should have kept it, knowing you were me on today, but of course I can't find it uh, quickly. It had to do with ten things the, the war has done to Russia, and this guy, boy, he and you would have a great conversation. He, so they've, they've basically pissed away like half of their arms, like twenty five percent of their of some of their best soldiers, and it, because the the economy is absolutely starting to collapse in Russia, their 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 uh, their their feeling of self is totally going down the drain. Their, their self esteem, they've made themselves essentially a third world country in Russia. That it, it's an absolute disaster in Russia. Is that true, or is it getting there?
4: Um, I, I don't. I, I can't say that it's an absolute disaster in Russia. I think life is getting harder and harder for the average Russian citizen, but you know, this the short answer is that Russia is, is selling so much oil right now that you know some somebody said, Well, they've lost the equivalent of sixteen billion dollars worth of equipment on the on the battlefield and somebody else said, Well, that's sixteen days of oil revenue. You know, they're they're making a billion a day on on oil sales. And and so whether that's actually having a direct impact on daily life in russia i i can't tell you i think i think life is harder for russian citizens because of the embargoes i think it's going to get harder but at the same time it, the, you know the russian the russian government has got the backing of, of the most of the people in russia who view
3: well, this Ukraine guy claims that they're a uh,
4: state that's that's broken off
3: this well this guy claimed they, that so, they're
4: and so he's not, Putin is not facing a popular revolt. And, and, and you know, I, I, there's this, the Russian mentality is always, we we can take more than you can. So so we can take more punishment than you can. So when the winter comes around and we're lowering our thermostats to 60 degrees or 58 degrees indoors, when you have to do that, you will capitulate first. Well, and that, I think that's your
3: mindset. I think it might, anyway, I'm just, just quoting from somebody else. His point was that the the idea that they always thought they had this incredible military, they had this and thing. In fact, he said the, the, the entire well, one of the things was the entire world now is convinced they were they were just a you know a, a, a nice looking dress. There was nothing underneath. Of a Temkin, of a village. Yeah, said, but the Russians yeah. are figuring this out too. How the hell are we losing the Ukraine, and, and how do we lose all these people? This is supposed to be two weeks, and here it is six months, and we're and we're losing. Not, not losing, well, I think, but I
4: think there's, I think there's definitely, you know, a, a, an element of that. But you know, the, the justification of the combat, or the comeback is, we are not fighting Ukraine. We're fighting NATO, and so it's one country against against fifteen, and and we're fighting NATO, and NATO is throwing all this stuff into these, to these Russian bandits and providing or uh, Ukrainian bandits and providing them with, um, you know, with intelligence and with high technology arms and uh you know our 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 guys are just out there kind of weathering the weathering the storm from these people and so uh, again the the mentality I mean from the western military perspective, the Russian military has just underperformed terribly
3: that's that's what and, one of those and, guys and was saying
4: yeah and our but but remember what I said last week, which is one of the things that that surprised Western military analysts was that the Russians had developed a, a fairly competent combined arms doctrine that they they wrote about and talked about in their in their their military press but they they've absolutely refused or failed to execute that and and the idea it it really was a surprise when we watched them, them do their invasion in kiev and and try to come in from the north and try to come in from the east and the way they were conducting offensive operations we looked at that and said wait a minute that that's not what their doctrine says their doctrine says you don't do what they're doing right now, and so their failure to follow their own doctrine has been has been a huge surprise for the West. That, coupled with the the I, I, again, not, none of us really understands how corrupt the Russian culture is. Well,
3: that's, that was be, be my next point. Is that I read this somebody one listener sent it to me had to do with why are the why are the Russian tanks basically so crap? Well, one one of Putin's guys was in charge of the tanks, and the guy the He's guy's a multi gazillionaire and the tanks are, are a they're not new, and b their half the parts are substandard. Same thing. I mean, when, so when you talk about Russia is getting a billion dollars in oil sale, who's really getting it?
4: That's right. So so we didn't really understand how corrupt their their culture was, and and the impact of that on their on their weapon systems. And, and it, you know this reflects in the basic stuff that we talked about right at, this, at the get-go of, of the war. Just watching the tires falling off vehicles, watching stuff break down, watching the fact that they were they were giving their soldiers rations that had expired, you know, ten years ago. I mean, all of this, um, all of this, plays into the the overall assessment of, of what what was happening with with, with Russia. But yeah. I would, say, I would say right now that the, the Russian people are doing a lot of rationalization as to why they are being stopped by a country that they thought was simply made up of drug addicts and, uh, and uh, you know sex criminals, which is, is the way it was being advertised in, in Russia.
3: I hope Angelique so, is not so listening. Yeah. hope Angelique is not listening to hear you say that.
4: Oh no! But I mean, that was the perception. That, that's what the Russians were being told. That, that's why they. That's why they believed that they were just going to roll over these people. They thought, well, they're just a bunch of gangsters, and, and drug addicts, and so and so they can't fight. They were they were they, they they sold a bill of goods to their own people and to their own soldiers. I, I told you that story uh, that the guys going into uh, going in on the invasion uh, from the north, heading to Kiev, thought that it would be over in three days. They had packed parade uniforms. Wow. because they thought they were going to be marching in a victory parade down the main street of, uh, of Kiev. It's
3: crazy. You it's, um, um, we had, we had one other thing you want to cover. we got a couple minutes.
4: I did, real quick. I wanted to talk about the fact that, well, it's a combination of things, but the first is that is that apparently in this inflation-fighting bill, there's a provision that allows uh, this now designated carbon dioxide as a pollutant to be regulated by the EPA. And that that is going to have all kinds of implications down the down the road for a lot of businesses. I direct it you to stop. It effectively means that you and I are polluters.
3: I, I direct and, you to stop breathing.
4: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that that I just want to sort of tip everybody off to to that that basically that one provision is going to empower what I think will be our new emergency to justify the continued. Uh, anti-democratic decision making that's going on in the in the White House in the executive branch.
3: Well, you know, you don't. And then, you and make then, it then worse the than second that. part of
4: that is California has now moved to ban the sale of new gasoline cars in uh, what is it, 13 years?
3: Yeah, they're going to they're right.
4: completely ban um, gasoline vehicles or the sale of gasoline vehicles what, what in these, the state in 13 these, years. And I, what
3: are these people smoking?
4: California cannot generate enough electricity now.
3: Yeah, what are these where, sm-
4: where is the electricity going to come from? These vehicles.
3: What are these people smoking? I, 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 there's got to be the good stuff.
4: Like I said, this is ideology making these decisions. This is not. This is not somebody looking around saying, "Yeah, we're going to wave our magic wand, yeah, there- and suddenly there's going to be enough electricity to to justify uh, or or to support, you know." whatever it is, 15 million cars that California's got. California's got got cars on top of cars on top of cars. And, and you know, like the, the next thing that's going to happen, Chief, is what kind of black market incentives are we setting up oh God. To, with a uh, perform, with a perform rule like this?
3: Well, next week let's talk a little bit about what, I mean, uh, can we really be as dumb as they think? I, I know it is, it's an area that I specialize in. I've been listening to every one of these Fed people this week talking with Jackson Hole stuff. Lou, this this inflation stuff is not that not that hard to understand. Does everybody routinely is is it a goal to just give people half truths and stuff and just keep the population totally clueless about the whole thing? It has to be. I,
4: I I think this I think this is a direct appeal again to the some some aspect of the the Democrats what I call their new base of of technocratic uh, you know pro environmental pro green. You know folks who, who really don't think about anything other than i want you know i want fewer people running around on the planet
3: um well tell that to the chinese and japanese the old jip anyway Lou talk yeah. take next week buddy SP feeders up 25 days if 100 be right back mr Danjanitas. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do at PTI for investments in the market with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's securities.com.
1: Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks,
3: jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You
1: are out of control! Here, right now!
4: Here. Right now. Right now. There's
3: something happening here. Hello and welcome to Jacks. I'm Tom I'm Matt Weber on the board. SP Feeder's up 27. Nancy Feeder's at one We're trying to leak up into this uh, uh, Jackson Hole thing where everybody is. And I just, you know, we don't want to give any sign of a, a criticism ever, but. Weren't we supposed to be in Jackson Hole this year, Mr. Weber? Would love to go. Never been. I'm talking about for the meeting. Well, we haven't
5: been invited, so.
3: You are the producer. I'm supposed to get
5: us invited? Why not? You have to have a little more prestige by your name, I think.
3: Well, well, it's your your job to get us the prestige. (laughs) Even the Stooges had, you know, the press, press, what was the other one? Pull, the last guy walked in curly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Dan, how are you, bud? How come you're not up there, for God's sake?
6: I should be I should be it's my birthday today so uh,
3: really? happy uh, I happy birthday, bud. be
5: there <laughs> happy birthday Dan
3: I would Thank say you. we don't want to go to any of the interviews we just want to sit at the bar which seats between us and see who sits down and pick their brain
5: <laughs> absolutely you're not going to have any of the $25 oysters?
3: Um, I don't know I'm, I'm, <laughs> what do you think the martini is $50? <laughs> it
5: has got to be up there <laughs> I
3: don't know if I'd be drinking martinis anyway but anyway it's uh, Dan how are you everything good?
5: good yeah yeah
6: yeah good um, kind of Watching this uh, <clears throat> this market, which continues to be a little bit volatile on the on the fixed income side, you know, you've seen the uh, the yield curve now flatten over the past week, and um, high yield spreads widen out a tiny bit. But it's um, I think the big thing is really paying attention to uh, what's coming up with the Fed. It's um, you know, this is I, I think these are the two slowest weeks in our business, right? I think this is when the most people take vacation, so. I think the activity in these weeks is it's a little hard to to judge. I mean, I know we had the sell off on Monday. Um, I think it was really people selling after this period of you know after this rally. And and if you know, I think the smart trade has been selling some of the stuff that you made uh, twenty to thirty percent on, like say even some of the names we talked about, the utilities that are paying you know three or three or four percent dividend yield, and then buying like the six month T bills, you know at three. 11 where it is today or 315 where we bought it the other day so it's a um, that seems to be a good trade in here right now That that's that's what we've been focused on this week and um, you know still searching for yield we have a couple of ideas on the on the yield side that we've added to recently that one name I've mentioned before <clears throat> but we still like is uh, ADP has a bond uh, and that's the security company um, It's a, it's uh, matures in June, June fifteenth of twenty three. So it's what nine months or less than nine months. Um, and you can get them for about five percent right now. We were buying them at like five and a half. So you know, for a higher quality, high yield name, that's a, I think some good yield on the on the short end. And one other name that I think is some good yield on the short end is uh, uh, SVC. S Services Property Trust. It's a REIT.
3: S V or your uh, also has a june
6: 15 2023 um maturity um but there you're getting between six and a half and seven percent
3: that's sam, uh, sam like, paul
6: yeah this is a good this is a good um story what i like about this is that the stock is on a lot of companies buy lists right now it's it's uh overweight by a couple of the analysts and um and when you like the stock you get a lot of the bond. so uh, these bonds are, they're, um, it's a bond read, um, but it has a, a short maturity and, some, you know, six and a half is pretty good, you know, pretty good starting point. So
3: sort so of what go. we've
6: been focused on here and, um, still concerned obviously about what's going on with the labor issue. That's what we've been talking about all along, And, you know, the messages that we're getting there are still, there's still mixed signals you know and i think we're we're in this transition period in the economy right now that is is going to take a while to work itself out Um the you know the i think the the labor side the supply side um and i i would also note that i think in this period i would highly you know i would i would tell people to kind of stay away from the riskier um assets this isn't the time to, to gamble you know if you want to gamble go to the casino um, but particularly now, I think it's a difficult time because the overlay that we have is, you know, what's going on overseas right now in Europe and China. And although our economy is getting back on track, and then, you know, we're seeing, like, this incredible, um, you know, the, the CPI and inflation all that, which is, you know, showing that there's growth. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's going to be t- um, somewhat dampened by what's going on overseas. So I think there's only going to be so much um, that we're going to see on the upside here, and so I'd say stay away from risky assets.
3: I would be with you, Dan. I don't even... The hard part here is, 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 you know, we... Well, you and I both in a lot of... Sometimes different directions we come at stuff. Yeah, you know, we look to have the numbers that kind of help us out, and these numbers are so awful yeah. that we're getting... I mean, the, the numbers themselves, the integrity of the numbers are so awful that I... You could have somebody make a total debate against both of us using numbers, and I don't, I, I'm not so sure the numbers are any good anybody has. I mean, I, 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 I see on the, uh, on, the, on the side of uh, the employment part, I see uh, the industries that actually are building up because of, uh, you know, people not wanting to do as much with China and other places. I see all kinds of demand in those kinds of areas and jobs that people haven't had for 25 years, and all of a sudden, people need machinery mechanics. They need this stuff. Nobody has those skills. I mean, virtually don't. And there's schools. Right, yeah, absolutely. There's schools like Kevin has that. If if you hire some people and you're willing, you have somewhat of a long-term perspective. I say long-term. Where if you hire guys and have a couple people, have somebody to train them, there's schools they could go to to, to fast-forward themselves. Y- you can do this in a year, year and a half, too, if you if you really want to. But anybody, I don't, anybody who tra- takes a, a two-year look at what the world's going to look like in two years, good luck, buddy. I I, I can't do it. I have no idea. Yeah. What, in the same token, we're laying off everybody in the mortgage industry. You know, I mean, we're, there's, there's places, there's going to be huge, I don't know what the number's going to be this, this month, but that last month's labor number is coming across nothing, but I see everywhere but layoffs. So I don't I don't know I don't know how these numbers are flashing back and forth, but they are, and somehow or another, we're going to land someplace, and I'm not so sure where the place is. I mean I, I can't even argue with it because I don't know. At least I'm saying. it. No, I, I would
6: agree with you on that. I think it is hard to see see where things are going to be, and um, and also I think you're hearing so many different people are trying to predict you know what's going to be where we're going to be next year. and even talking about where we're going to be with fed funds i think that's one thing that i'm starting to get a little more comfortable with and i know some of the word out of jackson hole has already been you know the focus on four to five percent um you know we're at close to three now or two and three quarters now so so that tells me at least that we're expecting to see in the short run we're expecting to see some higher rates on the short end of the curve which will have some dampening effect on the on the growth of especially the tech companies so um, you know at least in terms of looking forward you know how we, there still seems to be a lot of um, the market still seems to have a, a fairly good tone to it and it it doesn't seem like any any of the things that are going on globally are impacting the the way the market's been moving in the last couple months here with the you know with the uh, pretty pretty significant rally but um, I would say again this this expecting a continued slowdown. I, I still disagree with the, what the majority of people are saying. We are in a recession. We're in a contraction, contractionary period. It's it's not unusual to go through a period like this. You know, we haven't been in one for quite some time, so I think people forget that this is part of the cycle, and it's really the credit side, which is you know, the side that I've been focused on most of my career, that I think a lot of people on the, on the growth equity side miss, and this is just a normal you know, this is the tightening phase of the cycle. So fortunately, it'll be short-lived, and and I I agree with you, it's very hard to look forward and say, is this gonna be an extended slowdown or is it gonna be a short-term slowdown? And I I don't think it's gonna be extended. Um, I think there are a lot of positives going on. Um, I think there's, you know, if we we go through this transformation period with, with getting employment back at equilibrium, if it happens in the proper way and if the fed does what they need to do in the proper way without going too far, um, then it is possible. That I think this, this will be a slow, I mean, a short contractionary period and then we'll be, you know, at least leveling off here. So, um,
2: yeah, I, I I wonder...
6: certain industries like, you know, housing is being impacted more, oh, yeah. you know, the mortgage industry, which is what happened. And there's an extreme example, of what happened in 08, but, um, there are other industries that are, that are, uh, you know the tech companies that are laying people off. You know fewer job opportunities for younger people than there were, you know, even six months ago. So, but that needs to happen.
3: Yeah, and it it's has a, to be a
6: certain I, amount of contraction or
3: tightening. I wrote a little thing for my my Notre Dame buddies yesterday because they we go back and forth on some of this stuff and and, were, and some some of these guys are are kind of real right wing dudes and so forth. And uh, anyway, so I, I said something about anybody who can even define this economy, and if if you're you know, a grumpy old dude. You could say this combination of monopoly, cartel, oligopoly, fasc- okay. fascist economics, with you know four four industries or four companies in each industry with their nose up the ass of government. This is not the America that you and I came to love. This I don't I don't know what this is. I mean, no, I, it, it it is a somewhat. It reminds me so much of what I've read about the twenties, and I sure hope it doesn't have the same result. But when you can have a market that clearly Home Depot stack is to the moon every friggin' day. Okay, well Home Depot has the ability when they have eight point four percent less sales to raise their prices by eleven point four percent. And guess what? They're they're three percent to the good. All right, well that's good for Home Depot, it's bad for every other person in this country. I mean it, right, and, yeah. and, and someday somewhere this this genuflecting people are doing to the altar of these narrower and narrower amount of firms just like in the 20s this will blow up but I but I don't want to see it blow up. And I want somehow I want somebody to get to the top and try and fix it to the point where you know it that doesn't happen. But right now I don't see that person. I don't see the I mean, if anything you know the the idea with the student loan debt there's a million things wrong with student loans, okay? So I'm not all that upset for the poor person who's forty-five years old and is, and is disabled to have his five thousand-dollar debt canceled, you know what? I don't think that, I don't think that. But the point being is, we have a president and people around him that absolutely don't get that somebody has to come up with this dough,
0: and they're right. not, and they're
3: not going to tax for it, and they're not going to borrow it. They're going to print it, and as and as long as the entire government <laughs> wants the Federal Reserve to just print whatever they feel like spending, we got a problem—a <laughs> real problem. It's not stopping. Last week the, the, the balance sheet was up what it was thirty billion, right? I mean so Yeah,
6: no, I I agree I absolutely agree with you on that. There's a you know, the the issue of spending when you don't have the money, you know, that that goes all the way down to the consumer level and you know the consumer also takes that as a hint, Oh yeah, I can go out and I can continue to put money on the card and, and I've been asking sort of just sort of a general question that people have to be, you know, with the, with things you know, with things costing more all across the board especially when you start talking about cars or bigger purchases homes um you know when it gives you more and more of this stuff goes on the credit card how does it ever get paid off and that and then as you're saying it goes all the way up to the you know the 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 chief administration in our in our country which i think we just need some younger blood to come in and and um you know kind of get things you know people that have a little more accountability you know that that are that are really looking more for the long term and uh, some of those issues, rather than just sort of going through a checklist of things that have to be done, or or want to be done for the political, you know, the political uh, survival, if you will, I think there has to be a little bit more broader picture. And the, you know, I just read something. I, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but I read something about California not allowing sales. Yeah, oh yeah we just
3: talked about that. Um, yeah, gas card uh, 10, thirteen uh, years. Uh, or I don't know how many years, but it's out there ways.
6: Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. So it's it's it's. Um, it, you know, there, there's 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 no question. There's concern, and I do agree with you on the on the you know the larger companies. You know, looking at the the banking industry, for example, even our industry, the the you know financial industry, that there are some uh, you know larger players, and it, and it's always been like the regional banks that have had have have had some um, you know they've, they've been good investment opportunities, and and it's been the smaller companies that have been able to offer a certain level of service or or some other. Products, so there has to be that level of competition, I think, and that level of, um, in order to keep prices intact, you know, and, and keep service good and keep customer service good and all that. So we're, yeah, we are in that, there's no question we're in that, um, phase. And the thing, I mean, certainly the it also holds true in the uh, tech industry as well. And the thing that we're seeing right now in the tech industry is that some of the smaller names are, you know, the the startups and all that are having some trouble, they're struggling in this environment because of, of rates, so so we're not moving in the direction of, of you know, expansion in the in the sense of getting the smaller and mid-sized companies to grow, where um, you know, where the consolidation phase is still there, so and I, I you know, I do agree with you in the long run that's not necessarily good
3: Well, you had, uh, um, did you, were you listening to me? It's not just, I don't know, I guess I have to listen to stuff all day from my clients and so forth, but I was listening, they were talking about the auto industry yesterday, and I don't know who was there, Kramer yeah. or a couple other people. And uh, they start talking about how, well, first of all, the auto industry was, has been a cartel since you and I were, 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 uh, weren't were even thought of yet, right? right? Unfortunately, we got some foreign competition that all of a sudden made things somewhat honest, right, uh, at least for right. a while. And then and there's competition in that industry, or at least there was. Well, now they're talking about how they're going to have record profit years selling like half as many vehicles because all of did was raise all the prices. And the and they're talking about how good this was for the industry. They finally figured out that you don't have to produce so many cars. You could just like charge more. And I'm thinking what about the poor bastard who, who needs a truck and it's 50 grand? I mean I mean right. I mean m- most of us are in that camp, not in the camp right. of the people running General Motors or what am I missing? I, I
6: mean No, I am totally aboard with you on that. I, that that's that's an issue and that's an issue that, you know, if you're there's got to be some changes um to have to happen in order for people to be able to make those purchases you know and the same thing on the hu- housing side as well there have to be i think the changes on the housing side are that at least here in florida they're they're starting to there's a um move to do what they call affordable housing not necessarily government subsidized housing but but affordable meaning like a, a lower end housing because there isn't there isn't a lot of supply right now so there's there are people that need places to live <laughs> And rather than, you know, doing all the higher-end resorts and higher-end condos and higher-end homes, there's companies coming along now that are catering to, um, you know, more, catering to more affordable housing options, and and we even have one going up not far from where I live, and I would hope that the same thing would happen in other industries, like the auto industry, Um, but it's a tough, yeah, it's tough to get. You know, be very tough. I think the capital expended. You know, what would you have to spend on capital up front would be would be very very difficult, especially in the auto industry.
3: Well, I mean, it's, it's all it's all over the place. I mean, right now we have. I mean, I, God, we don't want to go through 2008 again. I don't think it'll be like that in the terms of no. the. Uh, but most most of that was 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 brought upon by the financial industry. It wasn't just giving people loans when and, and that maybe were above their head a little bit because. I, I could I don't want to do this Dan, but because I, because I, I don't want to I don't want to aggravate myself I'm gonna say because I wrote something in 2008 about how much I thought the average person couldn't afford the average house and how 85 percent of the population could not afford the median priced house now on top of that was all the shenanigans all the companies were doing with the you know the the the, the pools of mortgages that were synthetics right. and all the other crap—I I don't think that's going on today. So I don't think we have that to worry about as much. But I'm going to say that the the median person is further away from the median house than they were in 2008. I think it's like 50 percent worse. Same I, 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 mean,
6: I think you're exactly right on that. Yeah, it's it's much tougher for the for the youngest generation now to to, to find affordable housing. Um, even even rentals at this point I know at least we're having that problem here Where the, where the rentals um, have skyrocketed in the last two years So that's kind of It's taken out a lot of younger people you know, Who have wanted to move to the area So what it has What we've seen here though that is different Is we're seeing jobs come We're seeing companies moving here um, You know, We're seeing people moving here with money So that's helping I think the local economy But I don't think that's what's going on nationally
3: Well here I've heard in the last week couple of people that uh listen to the show have called in and said their their rent went from 1500 to 2600 yeah by the way November 1st it'll be 2600 what do you mean 2600 it's 15 that nah, not anymore I mean it, 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 it's it's reached that kind of stage but I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh that at the average what the median price now is what 406 of a house yep I'm gonna 100%. say with the with the mortgage rates up a little bit they're not as high as they were in 2008 because think they were like six and a half back then I'm going to take a stab and say that the for somebody to to if, if somebody gave you the 20%, again I'm taking this off the top of my head. I'm just extrapolating. Somebody gave you the 20%. So, you know, uh, uh, Daddy Warbucks Dan gave you the 80G for your 20% down. You walk in to get your 320 thousand dollar loan. Uh, you got to pay insurance. You got to pay taxes. Taxes have gone up way higher in 2008. I'm going right. to guess that you need. 140 130 to one hundred and forty to qualify for that loan. I would yeah, and I'm going to say that ten percent of the population makes one hundred and thirty and one hundred and forty, and I could and I could be high on the ten percent.
6: Yeah, I, that's I would say you're probably right in the mark on that. That's I would totally agree with you there.
3: So you, the fallback position. Yeah, the
6: affordability position, issue has been an issue I've talked about for years. That I that I and I, I'm totally on board with you on that. But that's that's something that is. Can be damaging to the economy, um, certainly damaging to the country, but damaging to the to the to the economy going forward. So, um, what I'm saying, maybe I think we're going to continue to see a slowdown, um, and that'll continue to hopefully bring prices down to a point where we have a little bit of affordability, and this is long overdue. You know, this has been an expansive period since you know oh9 so we're in a you know one of the longest expansive periods with the exception of that that, you know a couple of hiccups here and there with with COVID and and, um, you know there's a couple of bumps along the way but for the most part it's been going in one direction so there has to be a uh, there has to be a you know repricing and there has to be some uh, things need to become more affordable um, in order to move forward and not have a prolonged
3: recession Dan I would bet that if you and I went back and uh, the last couple minutes I want to talk more about uh, the bonds because by the way Based on your advice, uh, we had a few clients w- that we went to the auction for on Monday and got them the six bill six month that was over three point one at the auction. Yeah, that's, yep. that's, you know six months. The end of six months, we'll, we'll retool. You know exactly. We'll
6: yeah, and by that point, we're going to probably see you know that they'll probably get, you know closer to five percent.
3: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dan that if you and I could go away and have a, a few beers and a couple bottles of wine in the fridge for when we're done, we we're not going to do that while we're working. I'm going to say that if we spent a day with somebody who knew how to get stuff on the computer like maybe Matty Weber because he's good at this stuff, and we went back from 2008 to today and came up with a, with a real CPI uh, based on what I think is wrong with that thing, not, not just me personally, but I, mean, I think I could prove it to you. I'm going to say that since 2008 till now, we've had zero growth. Zero
6: possible. Mean, adjusted for yeah, it's it. I yeah, it's possible because we've had such low rate. Rates have been so low for that time. Inflation's been yeah. I would agree.
3: If you put uh, the hospitalization piece of the CPI, which those I won't say idiots because they know what they're doing, uh, at six percent, if we nudge that to nineteen or twenty, which is what the percentage of GDP it is, if we somehow include. Uh, taxes, property at uh, least property taxes, even a little bit, and we throw in some higher education, I'm gonna say we've easily had negative growth for fourteen years.
6: But probably true yeah.
3: Well and that's, it's not what, that's, not, that's not what it's not it's not what people that's that's why your 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 person at the, the, the bulge in this uh prices, that's why this is so screwed up. These guys are talking about cutting the inflation down. That that's not the problem now. Dan, it w- let's put it this way: there, there's there's it still hasn't come through the system. So the inflation is still being counted. The actual push by money supply and those other things by the Fed has stopped now for like three months. So the quote driver of the inflation has stopped. You still got inflation because your CPI is so far behind the times, but now you have this 35 percent bulge pr- of prices. Your 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 price level now is the problem. not Right. Even, even if the inflation were to stop today, the price level is a problem because you got a thirty-five percent price level on people who's got a ten percent raise. So the, where we are now is a problem on its own. So right. now
6: there's if you, still a gap. There's no, there's no question. There's still a major gap there, and it's very difficult on the others on the side. I mean, prices going up is one thing. The prices coming down is is very difficult for, for most companies, most industries, most businesses. You know, it's it's really hard to cut prices. The only place where you we, we might start seeing, and I'm hoping if the supply chain comes in in a plane, I'm kind of watching very closely. Is on the on the food side. I mean, the gas. I, I, I see the, I see oil prices as being a you know a whole different a whole different uh, you know supply demand um, issue. But I think on the food side, I think if we were to start seeing some adjustments there that start bringing things back uh, into equilibrium, if you will, then 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 we might start getting a little more. You know consumer confidence and, and all that, but we're still we're still a far away, You know, the, I agree with you. Wages versus prices right now, we are still we're, there's a gap. There's a pretty wide gap there, and well, that's not good for the economy. So,
3: where I'm getting to with this, Dan, and you're probably the only one of the few people who can understand what I'm talking about. What I'm getting to is if is if the Fed quote stops the inflation, which I think they're willing to do and are going to do, you still have this 35 percent bubble. You. Now the question is, do we? You and I had our same our same seminar all day on a Saturday. Do we re? Really, do we really want to attack that? That that because that, that would take us dropping the money supply by fifteen percent. Man, oh man, I, I I don't know that. That's. I don't think there's anywhere that I could point to in history except for after the Civil War where that was done successfully.
6: Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely new territory. You know, it's it's new territory, and and, and uh, uh, yeah,
3: I I agree. So what? So you think? Uh, real quick, is it um, right now? If so, if I had fifty new clients today, and all and all we're looking at the fixed income, we would do some of the the little little ones you come up with that are outliers. You know, the ADPs and those other ones that we get three, four, five percent for a year. But by by you know. Borrow, say we can't do that with all of it. We put some of it. You're saying a chunk of it. Let's just let's just do six months, and six months we'll be we'll figure it all out again. Yeah,
6: six month T bills, the ADT, you know, the security company. Those bonds are nine months. You know, when you get in five percent, and then the SVC, which is that that uh, REIT, um, which has really good. Like I said, it has a lot of. Um, Positive uh, analyst recommendations and all that. Six and a half percent for nine months. So, so yeah, I would say a combination of of say, for example, those three, you know, with the with the you know with the you know on the fixed side. If you want to look for what you'd have, you know, you'd be getting an average of around five percent. That's not too bad for short term. And what will happen is, in, in, you know, rolling over some of the names, the dividend paying stocks that have already done their thing over the next few months and well into the higher the short-term higher yield names makes a lot of sense it's it's you know you're you know i think that trade is a, a trade that makes a lot of sense and it will continue to make a lot of sense as the short rates go higher
3: what do you think these guys are going to uh, say tomorrow to to try and put salve over all the all the wounds of the last few months
6: <laughs> yeah it's going to be interesting to watch I, I like i said the, the initial part that i've seen you know even this morning that the the talk I think is trying to to stay as neutral as they can, but but uh, le- but but also come out and say you know expect to see um, rates going a little bit higher. And I don't know whether they're going to give a whole lot of explanations for what happens. I mean, the only thing that that I still hear is the Fed waiting too long. You know, when but I know some of that news is going to come out over the next two days, so it will be interesting to hear.
3: We have us um, to talk about next week, I think. I'm sorry? I said, I think we're going to have lots to talk about next week. Absolutely, yeah. Well, have a no nice question. weekend. Have a nice weekend, yeah. But Good stuff as usual. SB you Futures do. up 18. NASDAQ is up 72. Still up, but not as up as much as we were. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com.
1: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of HomeSource Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks,
3: jocks, stocks and, stocks and jocks.
0: You are out
3: of control. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Mr. Mayor Weber on the board. We have Mr. Jan Flanning in here in a second. SP Futures up twenty now. We were up twenty six, and uh, so we're still still bullish on the day. And NASDAQ Futures up. Eighty-three. I've only got one stock in the Dow that is down here, uh, which is Salesforce. Uh, the uh, um, down fourteen bucks. It's almost eight percent. So they didn't like not like their earnings. Um, we also have uh, Nvidia is down uh, five bucks. It's three percent. They didn't like their earnings either. So again, we've got uh, some issues there. We also got some issues with my computer. Maybe eh? why don't you do a um, CNBC is trying to force me to take an ad. They're messing with my machine here. Don't you love it when people do that? I can
5: uh, jump in. No problem. Uh, 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We did have a couple of early crashes on the Eisenhower and on the Dan Ryan. Both of those have been cleared, uh, but there is resulting congestion uh, on both of those expressways. Uh, Higher than normal travel times for 7.30 a.m. Chicago time on a Thursday, I would say. And now we have some more crashes. Uh, on different expressways looks like the stevenson inbound side at central avenue which is exit 285 there's a crash blocking the exit ramp Uh, It's actually a disabled semi that's causing the delays. uh, So that's causing a slowdown uh, near Central on the inbound uh, Stevenson. That's the only uh, issue in the area, but we do have uh, high traffic volumes on both the Edens and Kennedy, on the Eisenhower from that earlier crash at US 20, which is uh, York Road, and then also on the Dan Ryan from that earlier four-car crash at 87th Street. Out in the western suburbs, uh, there's a crash uh, in Naperville, Butterfield Road at Scottsdale Circle. And then uh, northwest of that, in Wheaton, uh, there's a crash on Roosevelt Road at Town Road uh, that was just reported uh, about 15 minutes ago. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, some rain in the area early, uh, and then the clouds will give away to some sunshine this afternoon, and it'll turn into a very pleasant late August day with a high of 79 degrees. Right now it's overcast, still dry, but rain in the area, and uh, 71 downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 100 today. Right now it's clear and 87. In sports, White Sox beat the Orioles 5-3. Sox are four back in the AL Central behind Cleveland and tied with Minnesota for second place. They're also four back in the AL wildcard. Cubs are have no aspirations of playoffs, uh, but they did beat the Cardinals 7-1 to last night. And if they win this afternoon, it will be their seventh straight series win as the Cubs playing uh, really good ball the last uh, month or so. Diamondbacks lost to the Royals 5-3. to Jay,
3: Cubs win 12 in a row, they're right back in it.
5: <laughs> if they won,
3: I think, 16 in a row, they'd be 500. Like I said, they'd be, right <laughs> they'd be in something. Dow Futures up 77 over in Asia. We've got the Nikkei up 165.6%, Shanghai up 31. That's a full percent. But get this one. Hang Seng up 699, up 3.6%. Still can't make it back to twenty thousand, nineteen thousand, nine hundred sixty. It's so far down they were. Uh, yesterday, as a way of review, Dow's up fifty nine, SP and P up twelve, Nasdaq up fifty. So we've been after we had those two really nasty sell off days, Friday and Monday. We're trying to creep back in here into this uh, bullish tone for tomorrow's Fed uh, announcement or speech or whatever the hell the guy's doing. A uh, Dax is up thirty seven point three percent. These guys were up more earlier. A uh, Footsie up fourteen point two percent. around up three. I call that flat. Bands, 10-year up one basis point, 3.12, back up over at 3%, obviously. Uh, the Bund uh, unchanged at 1.38, or 1.36, sorry, and uh, again, much higher than the 0.85 it was not many weeks ago. Japan's still right at 0.23, those guys are always steady, not so good, but steady. Oil unchanged, uh Brent up 34 cents, 101.56. Natural gas down a penny, 9.31, that's high, uh, and probably going higher with all this stuff going on in Europe. Our Bob, uh unchanged at 279. One day, Maddie, we gotta we we if we can find somebody, we could use somebody who's an expert on on shipping natural gas to find out how many ships are under construction, how many, how many, how Didn't much. Didn't you ga-
5: have a friend that was a finan- uh, natural gas expert that used to come on the show? Yeah, all you all know time. what happened to that guy?
3: Uh, you mean Shanty? Yeah. Maybe we could drag him back in. I mean, I he mean, at at least give an a- update for God's sake. No, I mean, he, he was really good on uh, the oil and stuff. I'm I'm talking about specifically. How many of the ships are being built? You know, those big little weirdo-looking natural gas ships where they liquefy the stuff. They used to have there's only a couple spots in the world where the gas shows up and they liquefy it and pump it on the ship. They had to compress it on land. But I think some of the new ships, the, the ship can compress it and decompress it themselves. I mean, again, it's a whole industry. LNG is part of it. I know stock has gone straight up, but I'll, I'll we'll try and find somebody. Uh, gold of 12 bucks, 17.70. Maybe, maybe flanting I'll research it. Silver up fifteen cents nineteen oh six, copper up five cents three sixty nine. We have Bitcoin down thirty one bucks. Real quiet in the Bitcoin area today, twenty one thousand seven twenty one. And we have the US dollar still under uh, the euro is point nine nine six seven dollars. So we got that going for you. What do you got for us? Well, we already did traffic weather sports. Comes uh it's raining. It's supposed to be raining all over the place. Johnny you ready? What's up, buddy? Oh. All set, Tom. How you doing? All right, boy, we've gone all over the place today with the... But I have a... I'm going to have to ask you, Mr. Attorney. Uh, should I go out this morning and, like, buy a shotgun?
2: <laughs> you ask an attorney that question?
3: I'm Just, just ask. <laughs> I, I would say always. <laughs> so, just when you think the world can't get any screwier, this morning I walk out to the garage, you know, and, and this is in Lincoln Park, allegedly a nice neighborhood, I see, Put the overhead light's on. I'll nick it on. But we have other people use it to, you know, you take the garbage out through the garage and stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me that somebody turned it on and left it off. I, I, on my car door, somebody his rifled through my truck. Oh, no. But the, this is so weird. Uh, and it took <laughs> my tenant upstairs, who's interesting. All this, I have, you know, I had a couple of pairs of gloves that are underneath the seat in case if it's wintertime. They're out by the gas pedal. And the glove compartment's open. Nothing else. I got a little thing there of change. That's that's all okay. And I and I said, I called the guy upstairs, I said, You see anybody last night? And he's at the airport, and he goes, No, no, somebody was in there looking for a gun. That's where you'd keep a gun. It never even crossed my mind, Chan. And he's gotta be right. Somebody broke in just looking for a gun in my truck. What else would you be looking for? I mean, there's iced tea and water in the back, that's all unchanged. It's not like anyone keeps large sums of money or anything
5: in no, their truck no. or, or their car. stock certificates or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I mean,
3: they didn't want the truck right? that, I can understand. <laughs> it, but all of a sudden, they rifled through the glove compartment and then underneath the seat. Which is where you'd, obviously, if you had a gun, that's where you would stash it if you weren't smart enough to bring it in the house with you. Well, how weird is that? How'd they get it,
2: in? A similar thing happened to me, Tom. This is years ago when I was living in Old Town and my car was parked behind the building in, in like a dead-end alley. It was a private alley, and so you, you, it was only one way in and out of it. So it didn't go all the way through the block. And I came out one morning also to go to work, and I'm going to the back gate, and I see you know, the interior light of my car on in back, and I, I peek through the fence, and here's this guy sitting in the front seat, the door open, got the glove box open, everything thrown out on the seat. He's, he's like pulling stuff under the seat, looking for stuff. So I went in and called nine one one. Said there was a car theft in progress, and the cops were there in thirty seconds. This is back nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Things were different then. They caught the guy. Um, he had a rap sheet, you know, five pages long. Um, I went to the preliminary hearing and all that. But at the time, I thought this is a, a Dodge Omni. This is not a hot car. You know, I doubt if he was going to steal it. It's not not, not that sort of car that's really got much value. You so, know. On the black market, but I, at the time I thought, "What's he looking for?" And it never hit me till much later. He was looking for a gun, probably to do something else
3: with it. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I, uh, you didn't run over, and just dot his eye, bang. <laughs> oh, God, no, you well, didn't. <laughs> at least
2: you weren't in the car when this happened. Tom. You know, somebody took the truck from me or something. That, that's happening with alarming frequency, too.
3: Well, this this uh, wacky guy, interesting guy. Uh, Things have not turned out well for him from since the trading days. But uh, it's crazy little dude. Um, and uh I mean, he was, he, I mean, he was a little guy, but boy, oh, boy, he his his son ended up being like the uh, all st- uh, state champion wrestler, and one of the first, uh, you know, what do they call it? Combined fighting guys, man, where you use feet and hands and stuff, not the regular boxing. He, this is 20 years ago. This kid was like a, going to Japan and stuff for these, what is it? Combined martial arts, they call it, Matt? What is it? Stuff the guys. Like MMA, a, yeah. Like, it, was, it was like it was like the predecessor of MMA. Yeah. Well, his, his wife <laughs> was just as nutty as him, and uh, maybe five foot on, the, on her best day. She used to take her kids over. There was in Chicago, for those that don't know this, it was a big center of uh, what do you call it, like baby modeling or something, Manny? We where, where you can you, you take your kids over for uh, all these these children's magazines and so forth. The kids are models, and they're you know they're whatever, a year old or two years old or something. I mean, I, I would never, if I had any kids, I don't know if I'd ever do that. I don't think you're planning on doing that either, are you, Matty? But anyway, it's a no. lucrative It's a lucrative deal. I mean, if you if you can do it. Uh, and it's over, it's over on the west side, and the west side's not so hot. Well, these guys try and hijack her, and they did something to her mirror. So she chases these two dudes down the alley, Somehow pins both of them with the hood of the car up against the garage door and calls the police. <laughs> like, how do how do you do that? <laughs> she had a pinned. they couldn't move. She had the car right up against them. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Betty, If you go flying down the alley, if you weren't hurt after these two guys, but she did. Wow, <laughs> That's
5: more nerve than I have. Now. Oh
3: God, yes. <laughs> There's just no nothing to gain. And right. well, they got arrested. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Were, I'm sure they got out the next minute, but that's another story. Right. Uh, anyway. uh, so that, that, was, that was my morning, John, so there you go. Yeah, um, Tom, it's,
2: just, it's just one one thing after another. Okay. I know. I
3: just, so, so go back to my shotgun argument. I did my concealed carry class, but why the hell, what, what's with a pistol? Why don't I get a shotgun in your house? <laughs>
2: well, I guess one thing to take away from this is don't keep your gun in your car. <laughs> well,
3: uh, yeah, well, it's, well, you know, but how many people, honestly, that do conceal carry? and they'd have it in their car, just pull the car in the garage and just leave it there all night. I'll bet all kinds of them.
2: I bet, I bet that too, and I, to me it's just, you know, it's, it's me, but I bet a lot of people do.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you, why would you suspect somebody going through your car in your garage? I guess I will so, from now on. So many of
2: these, you know, the, the jackings and the thefts happen when, when the is entering or just exiting a garage in, in places where it's not visible, you know, to people all, all over the place. And you know, people are thinking. Oh, I'm in my safety zone here in my garage, or close to it. I and mean, you're, you're kind of letting your guard down. You're, you're never that safe.
3: Well, my even ad- in
2: your garage, maybe especially in your garage, because nobody can see what's going on in there.
3: Well, my attorney buddies that are are uh, you're you're one of these highbrow white collar attorneys. These are the guys that actually are at 26th Street with the with the with the earthy people. The real uh, <laughs> with the real attorneys. They tell me the reason why I have all these carjackings guess? I wouldn't even know. You can't steal the new cars. You gotta get somebody with the drivers there, or else you can't you can't you can't hop on a new car and drive away with it. You can't hot wire it or anything. Interesting. Ah, so that, that makes sense. Yeah, you can't we can't steal them. So the only, the only way you can steal them is to get it with the drivers there. With the engine running. Yeah. Well, uh, some
2: some you know, hot shot better take get on as a project, and how you can <laughs> well I mean there are certainly there's kill switches now you can do, yeah, if if you can hang on to some you know, a part of your security system, even after the card's taken from you, you can shut it down. but
3: um, it's crazy world. but anyway, Jan, what we, we have this uh, stuff going on with the Fed. We've got election coming up. We've got this Europe situation getting worse and worse. They're talking about inflation in in England now is eighteen percent. I don't know if anybody's gotten a raise. Uh, we got the their, their, their pound is sinking, I and mean, we've got issues just about everywhere. And uh, I don't really see any of them being solved, do you? I mean, it doesn't even look like there's any kind of a plan. And we got Lori Lightfoot, who's I, I'm really happy to after my morning episode this morning, is saying that the city really isn't all that violent, it's the news media. Is she out of her mind? There were was, was three five person shootings last weekend,
2: you know. So, uh, you would think your mayor could own some of this. By that, I mean, that you are at least aware that there's some kind of major assault on the population from a, from a very organized front um, of gangs. And she blissfully, you know, looks the other way and uh, trips it to the, you know, alarmist behavior. Things, the statistics show the crime is down. You know, It's a less violent city than, than when she took over. I mean... It it, it it makes me think that these people don't even read their own press releases very carefully, and um, it's, just, it's just unbelievable to me that she that she thinks. I mean, this is, a, this is the kind of bubble she lives in, I guess, and she's like a lot of other mayors too that don't want to address just how bad they've let things get.
3: Well, let me uh, let me ask you this: uh, the the weekend tally, all right now, um, this this uh, final joyful tally last weekend. All right, this is going back to 2004, and it's only one weekend, right? Now, it, last year there were 11 killed and 40 wounded on this particular weekend. Now this year there's four killed and 38 wounded. Now, if, if you and I got dropped into the mayor's slot, and we'll bring Maddie with us, the three-headed monsters, God, would that be something? Three of us sharing the same office, trying to be mayor. Uh, we could probably do a bit okay job, but. How do you even define progress? I mean, if you look at those numbers, you say, hey, it looks a little better than last year. (laughs) Two years before, five killed, 67 wounded. And in 2019, eight killed, 28 wounded. I mean, it's so horrendous every year. You're, you're, You're up to the numbers that were, you know, last time I walked down the street, the bully across the street, Smack me on my head 15 times a day. You only did it 14. Well, is that progress? I guess it is. I mean, in somebody's mind. I mean, it's so horrible. How do you even define whether you're making any progress or not, John?
2: You can parse this stuff in so many ways, Tom. One thing that clearly neither Lightfoot nor, nor the police superintendent want to address is how that there's no boundaries now to crime.
3: And that's and well. That's a problem. We've talked
2: about this many times. You know, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It really, it really doesn't matter what neighborhood it is, except that neighborhoods that used to be considered relatively safe and had you know high you know rates of tourism and restaurants and, and clubs and stuff, they're more vulnerable now than ever, and, and these result in high profile you know incidents that that send shockwaves in. You know, a manner that doesn't happen when you've got routine police districts that, that always have, you know, a lot of violent crime. I'm not saying it should be normal anywhere. It's, of course, it shouldn't be any, anybody's norm. But but you've got a situation now where nobody feels like, even in, in the center of the city, there's any kind of illusion of safety anymore. And it's affecting people's willingness to go downtown to, to, to theater or a restaurant in ways it never used to. I mean, there were always places in the loop where you see crowds of people up a week night or a weekend night um, after a show got out and uh, this it's not just chicago where this is happening people just don't feel safe being in the in the center of the city and w- once you can't protect the center of the city you, you know the neighborhoods are already kind of lost too so uh, no, nobody talks about the, the, the profiling of where these crimes are occurring and the effrontery of, of the criminals that's a different factor and, it, and that's that's got people really scared and nobody wants to you know take any kind of notice of that It's like we're overreacting because there's crime where it never used to be well people should be angry and scared when that happens
3: well I, I would I would say and the, the there are I understand that you want to be as decent as possible to every human being yet there's there's something to be said for you know. The, the, the freshman in, in high school in high school, being somewhat concerned if the principal or dean of discipline is pissed at him, <laughs> right? I mean, there, there's something to be said for that. Young males have to be controlled by older males. It's just the way the world is until you reach an age where you don't need that anymore, right? Hopefully, yep. but I mean, it's. I mean, I, I don't know how you. I remember the story where they, they they took a whole bunch of elephants and, and moved them to a place, uh, where they were safer. Well, they said, that well, we'll leave all the old males in the old place. Well, guess what? All the young males in the new place acted like a bunch of idiots because they have the old male telling me, you can't do that or else, you know, a type of thing. I, I don't, I, this idea that, that everybody somehow is just going to be good tomorrow, wh- where does that even come from? I mean, uh, I just, I mean, there needs to be, but, Jen, just in terms of when things get this bad, how do you even know that you're making progress is, is really the question. And I don't, I do the same thing with the economy. I, I see this inflation, this uh, people not getting enough raises, people now getting laid off. I don't know if, if if we threw out the Democrats and Republicans and we spirited George Washington back into the Oval Office, and he did everything right for a year. I don't even know how you could track whether it was making any good or not.
2: Yeah, He'd never get a shot at really doing what he would see as being necessary. But even
3: if you did, how, how long would it take? What, what, how do you? I, I don't even know today. I mean, hopefully, I'm, I'm giving. I'm saying I, I've never seen anything like this. This price bubble, that that's the problem. It's not the inflation push today. We're past that. We we still have the inflation coming through the CPI numbers because they're so lame, either on purpose or, or, or not. That there's still a lot to come through in the numbers. But the fact is, the push has stopped. Okay. The, but but still, we've got this pl- price bubble that nobody can deal with. And we have a, we have a, when we have a people in office that are absolutely convinced that for the next five or six years, if they're still there, and I'm not so sure the Republicans are any different because they did the same thing when Trump was in there, they're convinced that they can spend whatever they want and the Fed's going to back them out of it. Or, I, somehow, someplace, somebody has got to say no to that, and I don't think Powell's doing that. I don't think they would ever put somebody in there that would do that. Hey, guys, you're on your own. Tax away. Or borrow away. I'm not giving you a dime. I, I don't. Well, you, the, the, you know, as you were saying
2: earlier, talking to Dan and, and Lou, um, the, the price bubble separate from inflation. just kind of try to keep the two straight. Your mind is not necessarily being the same thing at all. You're talking about generations to reduce the price yes. bubble we have, and, and, and a completely different you know, way of thinking about problem solving than we've ever been able to tolerate you know, in Congress <laughs> or even in local governments. It, w- it, would, it would mean a radical rethinking of, of how we've just blown, you know, a hole in, in the way people's consumption patterns are being manipulated. And there's, there's no way to get back to that in the four-year term. There's no way to get back to it in, in 12 years of sh- shifting administrations back and forth. Because in the meantime, you, even if you got a, a string of, of politicians who saw things the same way, there'd be emergencies, there'd be stuff that would happen that would put all this stuff on hold to change that. And you'd be right back where you started from, or worse. But but we've, we've taken this devil-may-care attitude about stuff that it's for the next bunch to worry about. And in the meantime, it's just party on. And no, no wonder, you know, politicians don't feel it's their responsibility to to be take... You care of any of this anymore? The the problem is too big for them, and they just they just let you know the, the thing accumulate all the time.
3: Dan, how did the, they? The consumers are screwed. Totally screwed. I, I, right now, by my calculations, and I'm pretty good at this, it would take five years of zero inflation and seven percent uh, real wage growth to get people to where they were two years ago. I don't see that happening. No. Ever, no matter what, I can't, I can't even imagine that happening. We haven't had seven percent real real wage growth ever, except maybe during World War II.
2: Uh, I have a cousin Tom who works for Jewel out out in Indiana, right next to Illinois, Um, and their you know contract negotiations have resulted in a twelve cent (laughs) increase hourly increase for you know baggers and cashiers. What was it? Baggers, I think.
3: Was so it j- to, what are you going to do with the. <laughs> what was, what Jan, well, John, one of these, the guys that do the stone stuff in the quarries and the, was it Jan Deere or Caterpillar, one of those guys, just came up with a contract with 15% over three years. It <laughs> just gave her that's you a lo- That's a loser, Tom. Yeah, it's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of, well, Maddie, get a load of this. I don't know if you've looked at the uh, Notre Dame home schedule. It is an absolute disaster, right? So the Irish being this is about the most money grubbing people there are uh is uh they've decided as, an, as a nation well <laughs> as as a, as a university um they they the only decent home game is Clemson, not even Clemson. the only game that's sold out is the Cal game on the seventeenth of t- September. Now you might ask gee, uh buffalo Breath, why exactly uh isn't the Clemson game showed up because that should be like one of the best games of the year in order to buy the Clemson ticket. You have to buy a ticket to the Marshall game. Marshall, who the hell is Marshall? <laughs> so, so the and you got to give a fifty dollar deduct uh, uh, contribution. Contribution. So it's three hundred and fifty bucks for a Clemson ticket, of which you'll get this Marshall ticket. That's like what a month before or something. So it's not like you can go there for two weeks, and even if you wanted to stay and solve Ben for ten days. So you got to go, like, twice. What does he see? Marshall. Marshall is September 10th, yeah. and then Clemson is November 5th. Yeah, yeah they're, they're kind of spread apart. Just a bit. So, <laughs> I, mean, I, I read this. Was was it Kevin sent it to I couldn't believe it. Another new low, even by my university. I've never heard of such a thing. I haven't
5: either. To buy a ticket to a game, you literally have to buy a ticket to another game.
2: Well, <laughs> what does this, this say, Tom, about what they're doing wrong?
3: Well, you know, it's not that <laughs> unprecedented, Matty, because the Irish are playing Florida State just like 10 years ago, and Bob was still alive. So, Bob and uh, and Kevin wanted to go to the game. They wanted some huge number, like two hundred bucks for the Notre Dame game, but you could buy a season ticket at Florida State for like one eighty. So they bought the season <laughs> and just donated the the other tickets to like some YMCA. <laughs> so it's not like it, you know, nobody's thought of it before, but it's anyway. That's hilarious. Are they killing the goose here, Tom? Uh, they're, they're they're trying. SP Futures up seventeen. Nasa Futures up seventy five. John, thank you. Matty, thank you. Yep. Be back be back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks.
2: Palmer? I don't know, sir.
3: I don't know either. I
2: guess we learned not to do it again.
5: Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProdirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.